Hi there and welcome to Vroom, your weekly motorsport fix with me, Michael Hill. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Vroom. This week we review what's been happening on two and four wheels around the globe. I chat to Chavi Forez about his return to World Superbike and I'll be joined by black racer Temba Kumala who returned to South Africa to race superbikes after racing in the European Junior Cup. been more than four months since World Championship motorcycle racing was on track, but last weekend the MotoGP World Championship was back. The Spanish Grand Prix took place at Jerez, and I can only really think of one word to describe it. Wow. Four cracking races, Moto E, Moto 3, Moto 2, and of course the Premier Class MotoGP, which saw Fabio Quattararo become the first French winner of a Premier Class race since Regis Laconi at Valencia in 1999. Eric Granado from Brazil won in Moto E, converting his pole position to the race win. Albert Arenas made it two from two by winning in Moto 3 in Jerez, as he had done in Qatar. Luca Marini made up from a last lap crash at the LaSalle International Circuit in March to win in Jerez. Uh, but uh, it was in MotoGP, as I said, where it all kicked off. First of all, big congratulations to Frenchman Fabio Quattararo. The win was masterful, and I'm sure it won't be the last race that he wins this year. Once again, though, it was Marc Marquez that grabbed the headlines, although not for the reasons that he would have wanted. The eight-time world champion started from third on the grid and was soon in the lead. Pushing hard, he was only a few tenths from the outright lap record despite the blistering conditions. The Repsol Honda rider pulling off an incredible save at turn four, keeping it pinned through the gravel before he rejoined almost last. Mark then put in a performance like, I'm sure you'll agree, we've never seen, working his way back into, content, uh, into contention, passing everyone ahead of him with absolute precision. Two laps to go, and he was on the podium, uh, third position at worst, until disaster struck. A monster high side coming out of turn three, which is where, incidentally, fellow Repsol Honda rider McDoohan crashed uh, a few years back, uh, saw Mark barrel rolling through the gravel. His machine struck him on his uh, arm as he fell. Clearly in pain, it was later confirmed that he'd broken a uh, left humerus, uh, sorry, a right humerus rather, which was almost certainly uh, going to rule him out of title contention for the 2020 season. Alex Rins and Cal Crutchlow also suffered broken bones at Jerez. Really can't remember uh, the last time that there were three top riders that were injured in the opening round of a championship. Valentino Rossi also scored no points after retiring from eighth. Was massively impressed by Andrea De Vizioso, who took a podium just a few weeks after breaking his collarbone. And Brad Binder, incredible performance for the MotoGP rookie in the closing stages. A shame he ran off track, because for sure he would have been in the top eight. The next round of MotoGP takes place this weekend, also in Jerez. Can't wait for that. It's the Andalusia Grand Prix. 
In the four-wheel world, well, Formula One was once again back in action, their third consecutive race, this time in Hungary, but it was once again Mercedes in control. Lewis Hamilton took his second win of the season to leapfrog his teammate in the championship standings. Max Verstappen finished in second place despite crashing on his way to the grid. Great work by the Red Bull mechanics to see uh, the Dutchman finishing on the podium. And Valtteri Bottas finished third. So up first this week on uh, episode four of Vroom, we are joined by Temba Kumala, who is a black South African racer. Temba uh, joins us now from his home, uh, sporting, well, I can only say uh, team wear from uh, at least five or six years ago. It might even be a little bit longer now. I can't actually remember uh, the exact year that we first met, uh, but you're wearing your European Junior Cup kit uh, for, for this interview. It's, uh, you're taking me back, mate. It's uh, good memories. The throwback Monday. Um, I'm Michael. Thanks for having me. Really grateful to be here. And yeah, hi to the audience as well. Well, obviously, uh, Vroom has uh, been going for a few weeks now. We've got a great uh, audience uh, building, which is fantastic. And uh, as ever, we try to bring uh, a diverse range of, of guests from the, from the two- and four-wheel world. So, Temba, uh, maybe just for the benefit of those that maybe aren't familiar with you, um, we first met back in uh, Jerez, I think it was, if memory serves, uh, when you were racing in the European Junior Cup, which was part of the World yeah. Bike championship uh, since then you've obviously returned to south africa you've raced in super bikes and super sport machines but um just uh, just go back to the beginning how did you actually get into racing so my racing story is very interesting um i think it's quite unique it all began in 2007 it was the june school holidays in south africa and i was just watching tv board channel surfing and cartoons are boring me for some reason. I was 11 years old and I just said, I saw a MotoGP race and it was Donington 2007, uh, a wet race which Casey Stoner won. And I remember thinking, well, there's nothing better to watch. I might as well just watch this. This looks somewhat interesting. <laughs> and then I watched the race in total, start to finish. I never felt anything like exciting or like I want to do this, but then... A week later, it was on again, then I watched, and then I watched again and again. And come December that year, I said to my mom, Mom, I want to start riding bikes. Amazingly, she didn't say no, because in South Africa, there's a huge, amongst black people, there's a huge stigma against motorbikes. You know, it's just known as a coffin on wheels. So amazingly, my mom said, okay, cool, let's give it a bash. And around the same time, my sister started working at a finance company where the CEO sponsored racing teams. So she organized a meeting with him and I. His name's Richard Olsen. His company's M-Cubed. And 12 years old, my mom and I sat down with him and I just said, I want to race motorbikes. I didn't even know how to ride a bike. And he just said, okay, cool. I'll sponsor you. I've got a pocket bike team ready. Just meet us at this place. We'll all get it sorted. Man, so, that's so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's unbelievable even, you know, 11 years back thinking about it now because my mom and I bought a pocket bike, but it was a piece of scrap, you know? <laughs> and when we brought it to the team, say, hey, look, we bought a bike. They're like, oh, no, we've already got a bike for you ready, like a proper racing pocket bike. So we were, like, amazed by that. And then, yeah, the team took me in. They, 
they taught me how to ride and the story of my whole career is that i've learned very quickly you know cuz considering trying to be a pro rider 12 years old is quite late to start but in the year i learned how to ride a bike i ended up winning the championship come the end of the year in my first year of racing and then as i went through the ranks then i started going up from pocket bikes i won two titles on pocket bikes then i raced in the first season of nsf 100s when they brought those bikes to south africa in 2010 then from there i moved up to 150 cc cbr 150 hondas and my first big opportunity in racing was when my coach at the time quinton landman he told me about the european junior cup which was being launched that year in 2011 so he sat down with my mom and i said hey i think this would be a great opportunity for temba and something you guys should look at so my mom's been incredible throughout my career i'll probably speak about her a lot in this interview but um she took a loan for me to do the first two rounds and i went i did assen and monza i came very very close to getting a podium at monza i was in third through the scari chicane and i missed a gear and i got slip streamed down the straight and i ended up with a fourth place but that result then put me on the map so when i came back to south africa after around two we didn't have any money to carry on but then our federation uh, motorsport south africa then approached me and said hey we see your potential we'd like to help you um just get your just to put you in a proper program with proper support um proper mentorship and then i got uh, linked up with robbie peterson so if any any of the racing fans know cameron peterson races in motor america that's his dad and he then became my coach mentor manager for the next 5 years after that and under his mentorship i then stepped up to cbr 250s started racing motor 3s as well uh i grew up racing against you know guys like darren binder he was my biggest rival you know growing up i've been dive bombed before myself <laughs> by him <laughs> you know uh Darren Bender, Matthew Scold, Steven Odendal, Cameron Peters. So a lot of the South Africans that are racing overseas now I grew up racing with those guys and I'm grateful to have ridden with those guys because they they always set a high level and there was always a reference to look up to. You know, Brad was always there in racing though I was a bit younger so I didn't race directly with him, you know, but I grew up watching Brad ride on two fires and things like that. Then towards the late years I then stepped up to super sport I did uh this European Junior Cup season in 2015 then stepped up to Superbikes in South Africa when I came back from that I had to take a year off in 2018 cuz I didn't have sponsors and I was in my final year of my BCom degree at university so I decided to finish my year of studies and then pursue riding full time after that and that's what I've been up to now Wow, that's uh, that's a six-minute summary there, ladies and gents from uh, from Tembo. That's there's so much to to take in, and obviously I, I yeah. know you quite well, and we, we've become quite good friends. Um, I hadn't actually realised that you'd done the Junior Cup earlier in Monza. I think it was when you came back in 2015 that we we first met. So, uh, yeah. talking about the European Junior Cup, that series doesn't exist anymore. But for those that are listening, it was a, a one-make series. They they started out with Kawasaki's, then they went to KTM's, and eventually they moved on to to Hondas. uh the the 500s and then obviously the 650s that's now been replaced uh by the uh the the um the Super Sport 300 World Championship but that was a great series wasn't it everybody on the same bikes you would turn up it was relatively easy uh to to get into it sounds as though from what you're saying that you know 
you starting out really young, you had sponsors quite quite early on. I'm quite keen to understand, and as I say, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but you are a black racer, a, a quick black mm. racer. Um, how did you find it as, as a youngster, sort of going back to when you were 11 and 12 and you were just starting out? I'm assuming from the way that you did that introduction and, and the things that you said about, you know, yeah. motorcycles being referred to as, as coffins on wheels within the black community in South Africa. Yeah. What was your <laughs> first experience in the paddock? And as I said, I don't want to talk about racism within motorsport too much, but I think, you know, given that you're on this uh, podcast, I think it would be interesting to know from your perspective, going back as a kid, what the first experience was like, and then progressing through all of these great championships and, and these great achievements that you've had um what your experience has been like in the paddock whether you feel that that racism does does exist and what you think from from your perspective could be done to to make it more inclusive that's a very good question thank you michael um i'll start off with just briefly touching on the european junior cup it was an amazing opportunity and it's like red bull rookies cup just m more accessible I went to Rookies Cup trials in 2011. Um, I actually went with Darren Binder for that selection. And there was just very little time to acclimatize to everything that's different. I'd never ridden a metric before. I'd never ridden at Aragon before. And at Rookies Cup, you have to shine immediately. You have to get on pace, show them what you've got. And if you, just, if you don't have the right preparation, it becomes very, very difficult. And if you look at the South Africans that have made it there, it's only Matthew Scott and Brad Binder that made it first attempt. You know, Darren went three times and he made it on his third attempt. So European Junior Cup just made that whole experience of racing in Europe much more accessible, a much more even ground to, you know, compete with guys who even have more experience there. But you could, it was easier to show your talent, I guess you could say. Um, then moving on to the dynamics of being, a, you know, a black racer. It's been interesting. What I think would, I would say was a big factor was that because I was a child when I started, I didn't realize a lot of the dynamics that were going on around me. So even if there were certain racist incidents that would have happened, but as a child, I didn't really take notes of them just because I was oblivious. I was ignorant. I was just focusing on having fun, riding, yeah, you, you know, know, being with my friends. Riding a bike, right? So that's, yeah, yeah, I get that. That's what I came to do. You know, I just came to ride a bike. So. When I started off young, I mean, you notice you'd see small things, you know, and I think what, what's been a thing I've learned to accept as I've gotten older is that there will always be racism in some way, area, because it's, I don't want to get too philosophical about it, you know, but it's, it's the same way people will treat someone who has less money than them differently. So if you're different to a group of people, you stand out. And as a result, it's inevitable that you will get treated slightly differently. So as I got older, you know, I learned to deal with incidents just by ignoring them and carrying on. You know, when, what when you say in, when you, sorry to cut you off, when, when you say incidents, sure. what are we talking about? Are we talking name calling? Are we talking what, what are we talking just to try and put it into context? Thanks. Thanks for helping me clarify. So I would say one thing that I've noticed from when I was about 15, 16 years old would be, so when I grew up, I was the only black person at the track, you know, in terms of as a rider, I was the only rider of color and any other black people were there were, you know, just working as laborers, you know, someone to clean the pits or as an apprentice for a team. 
So I would notice that parents of other riders would be very friendly, very nice to me. And then as soon as I started beating their kid, then some racist remarks would come or they would stop talking to me or they would just start treating me completely differently as compared to when they met me. And I learned that, okay, that's just, you know, jealousy. It's frustration that they see me as beneath them off the track, but then on the track, I'm outshining their children. I've had almost no incidents, you know, with riders being, you know, being racist or anything like that. You know, um, with my mates, you know, they will joke and banter with each other. And that's the nature of riders, you know. So when we're joking with my mates, they'll make a joke about me being black. But I know it's not with racist intent. It's just taking jabs. And for me, it's, it's an easy joke to go for, you know. And, you know, as you'll know, a lot of racers leave school, for example, early. So then I'll, I'll then rebuttal say, oh, but, you know, I'm quite a bit smarter than you, you know, even if you may look at me in a certain way. So it's just those a little bit of different dynamics but those incidents were particularly from people older than me or people who don't know me um so i've even seen certain people on social media for instance if i give an opinion of saying i don't like this rider just offer my own personal opinion that someone who has who doesn't like me because i'm assuming because of my race or that they they think i've i've had opportunities that i don't deserve because of my race, will then just make certain remarks and jabs. So it's all very subtle. That's the one thing I can say. I've never, I've only experienced one case of blatant racism, but everything else is subtle. And those are the dynamics of being, you know, a, a black rider, you know, in or a black athlete in any sport that is predominantly white is dealing with the subtle things. And that's the same for, I think, any black person in a field where they're an outlier. But one thing I also should add is that I've flipped the script in my mind and I've noticed that as a black rider, especially in South Africa, I get a lot more opportunities than a white rider would, for example, because it's easier for me to get sponsorship because I'm unique. It's still difficult to get sponsors, but the likelihood of me getting a sponsor is higher than one of, someone I race with who has the exact same talent level but is white. Because, because you're using your, your, your color um, or your race as a, as a positive thing, right? It's something unique and an extra value that you can give to, to a spot. That's, a, that's really unique that you can actually flip, flip both sides because that was going to be my next question coming on to sponsors that, yes, yes it's easy to say, okay, there may be, uh, and I don't think, it, as you rightly said, I think there's always going to be discrimination and, 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 and factors um, for, for, for for all, all, all walks of life, as you said, whether you're a different sexuality, whether you're a different you yes. know, um, skin color or whatever it is. So I think it's quite, quite interesting the way that you, you put that into the same bracket. And I think that's also important. Um, as I said, I don't want to make yes. a 30 minute conversation about, um, <laughs> about racial equality or, you know, diversity. I think, you know, every, everyone who wants to be involved in, in motorsport should be allowed to be involved in motorsport and there shouldn't be any obstacles. And, and that's my personal opinion. You know, um, I guess people, people say things about me because of my, my white teeth and my bald head, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's positives, right? There's only one of me as well. So, uh, it's, yeah. uh I'm glad to see your eyebrows have grown back. Uh, me too. <laughs> me too. Scott Redding and Jason have got a lot to, uh, a lot to answer for. So on the sponsorship front, then obviously you, you've said you, you've turned that into a positive, which is, which is a really good thing. Yes, definitely. I think it's very important for me to mention that 
I've had an exceptional amount of great opportunities and blessings in my motorsport career. And I recognize, I recognize, sorry, that some of them come from me being black. And I've seen certain situations where someone has sponsored me because I'm black. But then after helping me, they realize like, geez, he's actually a really good rider. You know, he's no slouch on a bike. And, you know, when I first started in my early years, I was labeled a development rider, which has a little bit of a stigma in South Africa, that term. And it's a term that I didn't like receiving because a development rider is someone perceived to be someone who's a person of color who's just getting an opportunity for the sake of transformation. But I never liked being called a development rider because I always saw myself as equal to the guys I was racing with. And majority of the guys I've raced against, I've been able to compete with them strongly. You know, I was the only person in South Africa who could really challenge Darren Binder on a Moto3 bike, you know, and give him a hard time of it. And he's doing extremely well in the world championship now. So I always made sure that I made the most of every opportunity I got. A lot of people have been good to me. A lot of people have been extremely generous to me. And a lot of those people have been white people in my career, you know, who have seen my potential, who have seen what my success could also do for motorsport on a broader scheme. And I'm just grateful for having those opportunities. And as I'll get older now, one of my big goals is to take what everything I've learned and to then impart it to, you know, all around the riders, but also especially riders of color, because when you come as from a non-motorsport background, it's very difficult to progress because there's there's a lot of factors that go into succeeding as a racer. So it, at home, it's, I've just grown up with uh, my mom and I. My mom knows nothing about bikes on a technical level. So where some of my mates would go home or guys I raced against go home, they have a dad or an uncle or close family friend who can teach them off the track that this is what you need to do, this is what you need to focus on. My mom was just teaching me life philosophies of like, listen, Tim, you need to work hard. You need to make the most of every opportunity. But she couldn't tell me that you need to work on your riding in this way. So a lot of my progress was through sponsors being good to me and just people as well being generous to me and also me using whatever resource I had. So in my first four years of racing, I didn't practice. I never had testing or anything like that. I just rode at race weekends on official practice and race days. So I would just study MotoGP like crazy. I would watch races over and over again. I would watch practice sessions over and over again. You know, there's, I think Marquez's 2010 Valencia race, where he won the 1-5 championship. I've watched that race at least 20 times, you know. So I made myself a student of the sport. And I think a combination of all those factors is why I've achieved some success and been able to go overseas to compete as well. Yeah, you just mentioned Marquez, and I know, uh, obviously, I said we've been friends, we got to know each other quite well. You are a massive Marquez fan, so uh, I've got to ask you about yesterday's uh, race. Obviously, we're recording uh, this episode on, on a Monday, ready to be edited and put, pushed out for you guys listening now on Wednesday. But uh, what a return to MotoGP this weekend or this past weekend. I mean, we've had to wait four and a half months uh, I know we've had yeah. Moto3 and Moto2 races, obviously, in Qatar, but we've waited a long, long time. And I tell you what, Jerez Grand Prix, the Spanish Grand Prix, it didn't disappoint, did it? My God, what a weekend. What a weekend. The edge of your seat is very cliche, but it was literally edge of your seat racing yesterday. 
I actually um, took it upon myself to start posting some reviews on social media. Um, my I dubbed them MotoGP One Take Hot Take, where I just give a review of each day of the weekend, observations I've made, things I noticed, and it was just an idea I had and something I decided to execute on. But I feel like it was the perfect weekend to start doing that because there was so much happening and so much to talk about. Mark Marquez is is unreal you know i think i talk about him a lot to my friends about that because i'm a big fan of his but what i respect so much is his mentality you know yes he has talent yes he has um you know a great bike and team but i feel any person who understands sport has to respect the men the mentality of the guy you know to lose a front at 140 k's an hour just refuse and decide no i'm not crashing <laughs> pick the bike up go through a gravel trap and then immediately start pushing again and to just not give up. It's, it's something I, mean, I learned. I was going to say that even when he was in the gravel, you could see he didn't even shut the throttle, did he? I mean, he was legs off, like motocross style, through the gravel, back on, P18. Four laps later, he's up to 10th, passes Rossi, gives him a little wave yeah. as he goes past. Rossi must have just yeah. gone, bloody hell, mate, where have you come from? It was incredible <laughs> until it all went wrong. I mean, but as you said, that's the mentality of Mark Marquez. He could have easily second uh, settled for third, maybe passed yes. Signales on the last lap, but there's no way he was prepared to do that. He's like, no, 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 no. We're going to get as high up the field as we can. Nine times out of 10, he would have got away with it. Unfortunately, yes. he didn't. And now, of course, the big question is that the whole world is watching. Um, when will Mark Marquez make a return? Because there's a lot of speculation and we see so much rubbish. I call it rubbish on Twitter. I never try yeah. to make balls in <laughs> things. People, sofa racers and armchair racers thinking that they know best. That was one hell of a landing. And he got hit by the bike. Uh, we understand he's fractured the humerus bone which yes. even the superhuman uh, superhuman effort of Mark Marquez, I cannot see him racing this weekend because obviously it's back-to-back -back races. It, it, there's no way he can race this weekend. It's impossible. I, I agree with you, Michael. I don't see him racing this weekend, but again, what I've seen from all the riders in the MotoGP class who have given their opinion, they've just said, Mark is a unique person. He has a unique mentality. He'll be back. And Davizioso even said he'll be stronger, you know, when he comes back. And one thing which has always stood out to me from Mark Marquez is he learns from his mistakes. In 2015, when he had, you know, that shocker year when he crashed six times, I remember saying to my mom, I said, Mom, watch, he's going to win a lot of titles back to back because he got burned by what happened that year. And he doesn't like losing. If you see anything with him, he hates losing. And if it means he has to change himself or his approach to win, he'll do it because he just loves winning that much. He's that competitive. So, you know, if there's any other athletes, you know, especially junior riders listening to this, whether you like Marquez or not, or you're Ross or whatever, learn, don't, don't look at what the riders are saying, watch what they're doing, you know, and watch their menta mentality because yeah. I cannot, I, I, th I think about that race and I think surely there must have been something in Marquez's mind about what Brad did in 2016 coming from 36 to first he, they, you could see in his mind he's thinking but still possible you know i don't think he was thinking too much about it but i'm sure there was something in the back of his mind like listen if he could come from 36 to first i can definitely get a podium and i honestly think he was still trying to catch fabio 
You know, yeah, you know, you know what? I, in, in the back of my head, I was watching it on the sofa. I was in Aragon last week for for a two day test, uh, obviously with Superbike and Supersport. So I, I made sure the flight would get me back to watch qualifying, and then I was was up all day yes. watching the race. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I still think that in the back of Marquez's head, given that he was maybe three, four tenths quicker, he may not have caught him with two laps to go. But if he could have shrunk that gap from four and a half seconds to two seconds, maybe, just maybe, Fabio would have made a mistake. And you never know. Yes. I think the point that you made regarding Marquez learning is, is really true. And it's, it's a valid point. Remember, I think it was maybe Argentina when he ran off the track and then he fought his way back through. But he was literally using like a like a bowling ball technique, wasn't he? Just knocking everybody yeah. out of the way, barging into them, hit the back of Rossi, and it was all completely crazy. He never made contact with anybody in this comeback. And, you know, ultimately it's ended in a bit of a disaster. And, you know, we all wish uh, Mark a speedy recovery, as we do Alex Rins and Cal Crutchlow and all the others that have, have been injured this weekend. But Marquez, mm. it was like a knife through butter, wasn't it? It was precision. It was a world champion's ride. I mean, I was watching the guy thinking, my God, this is unbelievable. Um, and also, we, we should mention uh, Davizioso as well, because let's not forget, he only broke a collarbone uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. Nowhere in the test. Again, people saying, oh, he's washed up. He's going to be lucky to get in the top 10. He put it on the podium. I mean, again, these, these guys are superhuman, aren't they? I mean, it really, really is next level stuff. It's unreal, Michael. And you, you've just briefly touched it that there's so many stories from the race yesterday. You know, Brad being as fast as he did as a rookie, you know, the KTMs being essentially front-running bikes now, you know. Yeah, and actually being involved that, the, in the Brad Binder um, story, I was going to touch on that. Obviously, fellow South African to you. Um, yes. You know, he was running, I think, seventh or eighth in the early stages. Yes, he made a mistake and he ran off the track. But towards the end of the race, and you know me from the from the paddock show, I do like my statistics. He was the yes. second or third fastest rider on track. Um, the only rider faster than him until he crashed was Marquez in the last three or four laps. So Brad Binder, he had some incredible speed at the end of that race, considering he's never raced in MotoGP. Um, and Darren Binder as well. I know you've talked about him a lot. Once again... It's an awful thing to say, I wish he could just stay on. But, I mean, if you don't yeah. go for the gap, if you don't go for it, you're never going to win, right? I mean, I remember I was watching yesterday on uh, on BT Sport, which we get here, and uh, Neil Hodgson and Susie Perry were talking about um, the move that, that John McPhee made. And you know what? It went wrong, and he was in the wrong place, and he got knocked off. But you're trying to fight to win a world championship, right? So, same with Darren. Yeah. If he wants to win his first race. If he just sits in third place, well, he's going to finish third. You have to go for it, you know? And, and sooner or later... The move will come off and Darren will keep it on two wheels and he will win races. I have no doubt about that because the guy is, is exceptionally talented. It's, that's, the, that's the mentality of a motorcycle rider, Michael. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, there's armchair races and sofa races. They, if, some people, if you haven't been on a track and been in those situations and felt the adrenaline and the blood pressure, you, you're not always making rational decisions. You know, I used to, to crash a lot in the early days of my career, and that's because I also couldn't draw the limit myself, you know, and you won't succeed if you don't have that mindset of being uncompromising, of sometimes refusing to take no for an answer, and all that's needed is learning how to measure that approach and to sometimes bring yourself back, and sometimes you have to consciously do that on the bike, you know, and someone like Darren, I think he's like at 98%, and that 2% is just measuring himself in those critical moments you know and I, I was chatting to him last night after the race and what i was really happy to see is that he doesn't seem like he's down he, he said he's confident he says him and brad are going to bring the heat next weekend so it's just it's an amazing time for the sport you know it's it's so entertaining 
it's so amazing and one thing i really look forward to seeing more africans get get an opportunity to show their talent you know because i think a lot about legacy you know and i read recently that they say legacy legacy opens the path for those who come after you and what i really appreciate with what you know the binder brothers are doing and especially brad is that brad is showing the world that south african riders have talent you know and there's a lot of guys from the continent and from our country specifically that can cut it at world level it's just that we don't have the opportunities we don't grow up with the same resources as riders in europe or america do you know from a young age training at such a high level having dirt track bikes riding supermotards so it's just an exciting time i hope to be a part of that i hope to create my own legacy within the sport and you know just to show everyone that if you put your mind to it you can i i saw donington park on tv as an 11 year old and just said let me watch this this is cool and less than 10 years later i was there racing and that was a huge deal for me that you know the, there's a, an abundance of opportunity in the world today there's a lot going wrong but there's also so much opportunity and people just need to recognize that and know that you know if you work hard if you're patient you know the universe it returns your energy you know i, I don't want to get too philosophical again you know but it's just it's a different time you know someone like brad or someone like me may not have been able to be where they are 20 30 or even 10 years ago you know um and i i just see us as examples for general public cuz sport in general i feel is just philosophy for life you know when you see someone not giving up in sport it means in your job whatever your everyday job is don't give up you know just keep pushing pushing the same way marquez did it went wrong he didn't give up and look where he ended up brad ran off the track he didn't need to push the conditions were treacherous for the riders you know all the bikes were sliding but brad was still doing high 38 on the last two laps of the race and it's that mentality of motorcycle riders so it's just all very exciting <laughs> to no, be a motorsport fan it absolutely is and uh, tembo we've been chatting away now for 28 minutes i mean i think you've got a fantastic attitude i could talk to you all day long all day long i think there's just so many <laughs> things that we could talk about i think you're a uh, i know we're friends i'm not just saying this because you've sent me a check but uh, I, i'm saying it <laughs> i genuinely believe it I, i just think you're an inspirational young man and i think that the way that you talked about the The, the the race issue within motorsport i think is 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 absolutely such a an adult way of approaching it um and you know as i said I, racism and any any form of discrimination doesn't exist or shouldn't exist should i say uh, in any form of sport not just motorsport um yes. and i think you are a re- real real inspiration and i think a lot of people listening to this will will certainly have their eyes opened uh, and seeing it from your perspective um as i said i mean i i could talk to you for another another hour but uh, i have to uh, i have to go and chat to uh, to chavi forres who is going to be dialing in from spain he's just actually been having his covid test you know where they put that little um yes. nose so i'm not sure i had one oh you ha- yeah it's not not comfortable i can imagine uh, i got to not at all uh, got mine next week before uh, before heading off but temba seriously mate um i think you're you're a fantastic guy i'm i'm so glad that we obviously have become friends thank you so much for joining uh, this episode of room Uh, I wish you all the very best for the future and uh, keep me updated with your motorsport endeavors. I will. Thank you so much Michael. And if you don't mind, I'd like to quickly plug my social media. Go for it. If you're interested in seeing my MotoGP one take hot takes or just following my progress, you can find me on Instagram. It's Temba T H E M B A underscore 
and Timber the Chief Kumalo on Facebook. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon in the future. Thanks. Well, ladies and gents, that was Temba Kumala calling in from South Africa. Clearly somebody who wants my job, but uh, joking aside, <laughs> uh, great chatting to, uh, to Temba. And I'm sure we'll get him back on as a guest uh, sometime in the future. Here at Vroom, we want to hear from you, our listeners. So whether you've got a burning motorsport question or if you've got a favourite rider that you'd like us to try to reach out and arrange an interview with, please, please, please get in touch. You can contact me through my Twitter account, at mhillofficial. So what are you waiting for? Get in touch today. Okay, my second guest on Vroom this week is Spain's Xavi Forres, who is dialing in from a very, very hot, uh, I was going to say Spain, Xavi, but I think you're actually in Andorra. Where, where are you dialing in from? No, right now I'm in, uh, I'm in Valencia, I'm in Spain. Uh, I was uh, coming for visiting my parents and uh, trying to, to, to stay training here for in a, in a hot condition. So I, I spent nearly three weeks here and uh, yeah, I'm still here and... Uh, yeah, I will go to Misano tomorrow. Of course, yeah. I want to talk about testing because I've just come back from uh, from Aragon. And as we were saying just before we started recording, it's been so, so hot uh, in yeah. Spain uh, recently. You haven't tested. You didn't test in, in Barcelona. You didn't test uh, in Aragon. Uh, the team deciding to, to test in Misano uh, as part of the CIV Italian Championship. Mm. You must be so excited just to get back on the bike. I mean, it's, it's been forever since we were in Australia. Yeah, sure, because it was a very long stop, very long break for me. And uh, I was trying to um, I was trying to, to do uh, Montmelo and, uh, and uh, Misano test, but it was not possible for us. And uh, finally, Manuel decided to, to do this, uh, this race the next weekend in, uh, in, in Misano. So it's going to be... Is for for one side, it's going to be amazing to come back in in the in, the, in my in my bike, and then to be on the race weekend mode is going to be is going to be important for me uh, before to to rejoin the our championship in Jerez uh, in two weeks. So um, we have a lot of uh, a lot of work to do because uh, after Australia we 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 did a, we we make a plan in order to test many things on the bike, in order to adapt myself to, to the bike. So we will start again in, in, in Misano this, uh, during this weekend. Is that going to be an advantage, do you think? Um, because obviously all the other riders testing are doing 80, 90 laps a day. I think in the CIV Championship, I don't know fully the, the schedule, but uh, you, you'll have a couple of practice sessions or qualifying sessions and then races. On one hand, maybe you, you won't get so many laps, but for the brain, for the mental side of things, you'll be racing. So that can be an advantage because you will have to, you know, go through the procedures and the racing starts again and lots of bikes around you. So it can be, it can be positive on one hand, I think. Yeah, honestly, for, 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 uh, from myself, I was a bit desperate when I was at home uh, watching the, the results in, um, in, uh, in my, my laptop uh, when they were testing. 
but from from the other side it was a little bit calming uh, because uh, I already knew that um, I, I I was going to 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 use this this next weekend uh, for for racing. Uh, sometimes it's more easy to 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 do races and um, uh, rather rather than than be testing, especially when you have uh, to test many things and you have to to after a, a really long really long break uh, to be in a, in a race mode is more more simple for us and uh, this is what uh, Manuel tried to to combine me when when I was pushing so hard in order to make the test but. Uh, definitely, I think it was a good choice from from Manuel's side, and uh, uh, hopefully we can enjoy the the weekend in in Misano, even because it's also uh, very hot, very hot uh, conditions uh, over there as well. So it will be a good preparation by my for myself in in order to arrive in in Jerez in a good shape. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about World Superbike, but before that, I'd like to go back to, to last year because obviously I saw you a few times last year over here in the UK when I was at BSB and, and you, you know, you've raced in IDM, you've raced in other national championships and been very successful. How, how happy were you last year with, with the results in, in BSB? Because it's something that we've never really talked about on the stage in, in the Paddock Show because we're always talking about World Superbike, but I'm sure everybody listening will be really interested to, to get your thoughts on what, what, you, thought, what you found in, in BSB, if you enjoyed it. And the circuits are very different though, right? I mean, Cadwell Park yeah. is pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the, the most difficult track I found there was autobike, especially... Uh, I don't know if it's because uh, the bike I was using there it was not fitting quite good in in in, in that track, but it was uh, like a, a, a nightmare there many, many times because uh, I, I found uh, so much difficulty in order to 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 find a good setup on the bike in order to be competitive. But then there were uh, lovely tracks, uh, especially Snetterton, Fraxton. Uh, of, of course, Donington, where I did uh, three podiums in a row. Knockhill, uh, I did a pole position. So my results were not too bad for my first season in, in, in the BSB. But um, honestly, I was expecting a little bit more in, in, in some in some other races because I, at the end I, I missed uh, the showdown for in, in, in the last uh, in the last race possible, fighting with uh, with with another experienced riders in BSB. So. Um, yeah, in some races I expect a little more. In some races uh, I did I did well, so it was a nice uh, experience by for, for me. And uh, honestly, it's a nice championship, and they are doing a, a great great job as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, a fantastic, fantastic championship. They have the the showdown, which I, I think is I think it's the only championship in the world that has this. Yeah. Certainly yeah. on on two wheels. I know they have it in, in other disciplines. Well, what was your feeling on the showdown? Because I guess. In a, I don't want to say a normal championship. It's it's the rider with the most points, but it's kind of a championship within a championship. You know, you've got to get into that top six and then go again. So, did that? Did you find that strange, or was it just every race is a race? How how did you approach it? Well, honestly, till when I was inside the the showdown, uh, even if 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 I was watching the the, the standings, uh, I was missing not so much points from the from the from the leading uh, uh, rider. Um, that was good. That was good because they 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 uses the, the the podium bonuses for for the showdown, and this is important because I did uh, four 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 or five podiums if I can remember. Yeah. And 
when I when I was into the showdown, uh, I I was like I don't know 20, 20 points far from the from the leading, uh, counting the counting the all the bonuses and counting the all the all the points. So this means that if you are able to to do a sec, if you are inside the showdown and if you are able to stay um, in a good shape in the last part of the championship, you you can uh, you can fight for win the championship as well. So. This is uh, something that um, I, I really like it when, when I was there. Uh, unfortunately, I was out of the, of the showdown on the last race, but it's a format that uh, most, more championships should, should uh, think about it because it's a good, uh, it's a good um, uh, I don't know, it's like a, a good motivation for the riders in order to stay inside the showdown because uh, in the end you can fight for the, for the victory nearly uh, till the last uh, till the last race which is quite important yeah yeah it's a, yeah i agree it's a, it's a great great initiative uh, there's always people that like it and people that don't it's the same yeah it's exactly the, that's the same with with riders obviously coming back to 2020 you're back in world superbike uh, you've definitely got unfinished business i know that we've spoken a lot uh, over the years and uh, I think joining Pochetti Racing uh, is a great move, a great move for you. Um, obviously, Australia didn't quite go to, to plan. How, how difficult was Australia uh, for you? Um, and, you know, was, was the problem just adapting to the bike or was there, was there some other issues? Well, if, uh, if, if you see my lap times, um, I was quite competitive uh, at the end of the of the weekend it's not 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 so much on on the on the previous test we did on the week before but when i was um, when i was into the into the race weekend i was quite uh, competitive my lap times were fast and uh, i was not so far from the from the top 5 um, in, in in my lap times the, the the problem was in the in the first race i did a really bad start and I was trying to to recover my 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 positions and to to stay on the on the on the top. And I was um, together with Alvaro and, and Loris. And unfortunately, I crashed because I was pushing so hard in order to don't lose so much gap. Yeah. Um, in 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 the second race, in the in the Sunday race, I was I was on the on the on the on the group on the front group. I was seventh, if I can remember well. I was seventh. I I did the third fastest lap of, of the race if if i am not uh yeah if i can remember well but then suddenly tom size had a problem on, on his engine and i had to avoid him and I, I went out of the track completely and i i rejoined on the last position so if you see the lap times uh from myself i say okay i'm i'm in a good shape i can be strong on the championship but if you see the the, the results for sure it it was a uh, a bit disaster for for me and also for for the team, especially because in in, in Phillip Island I was always uh, strong. I did always a good results, and I expected a little bit more. But um, it was just the first race, and uh, the feeling on the bike is is uh, is being better. It's um, always improving, and uh, I feel I feel ready for the for the restart of the championship. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously that championship when we restart in a couple of weeks uh, in in Jerez. It's going to be a very different championship now. Obviously, we're recording yeah. this uh, following the MotoGP race in, in Jerez, where we saw some spectacular races and, unfortunately, some spectacular crashes, including that of Marc Marquez. It's going to be very, yeah. very important for, for all riders now in all classes 
to to finish races. Um, unfortunately for Mark, it, it possibly looks like that could be the championship over if that injury is, is serious. We wish him, of course, as I mm. said earlier in, in the broadcast uh, with Temba Kamala, we hope that uh, that Mark Marquez can recover uh, quickly. Um, I guess, as I say, though, Chavi, from, from your mindset now going into this new championship, less races, but also the fact that they're back-to-back. We have a lot of races close together. We go Jerez to Portimao, then we get a couple of weeks off, back-to-back again in Aragon. You know, any, anybody, including you, can't really afford mistakes. So how is how are you going to attack the, the, the new style of, of Superbike this year? Yeah, it's um, it's a kind of championship that I did in, in, in the past, like a Spanish championship, which, which are not so much races and you cannot, you cannot um, uh, do any mistake during the during the uh, during the weekends especially you have to finish the races even if you are not uh, so so competitive you, you you cannot push more than more than uh, the usual because uh, a mistake can be can be quite uh, dangerous for the championship standing and and for 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 the the, the next races especially uh, we saw this with mark we saw this with uh, alex rins this uh, last um, the last uh, weekend and also with Krasov, so uh, you have to change a little bit your mentality in, in this kind of in this kind of championship. Of course, um, if you are competitive, you have to push, you have to to, to bring back uh, the team the, the results they expect. But um, you have to put everything on, on in a balance, and you have to to, to think a lot in when, when you are when you are racing, especially because we are we are going to to found. Um, very very hard conditions as well uh, like um, um, very hot conditions uh, tough races it's gonna be uh, survival races as well in order to to, to manage the tire consumption the, the 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 engine everything is gonna be different so um, it will be more or less new for everybody so let's see how we can manage and uh, if, if I was I was uh, watching a lot of um, last year's races and when it was uh, hot conditions, the, our bike was working quite good. The Kawasaki is always working quite good in, in a hot condition. So uh, hopefully we can find a good setup in order to, to be ready for the, for the, for this crazy summer. <laughs> yeah. The, the tracks we go to as well, uh, the majority of them are in, in Spain or certainly in that sort of Iberian Peninsula, and a lot of people have been critical on on social media, saying, "Oh, it's a Spanish championship, you know. It's yeah. why are we racing like this?" Um, my my feeling is, I'd rather have this championship and this kind of racing than no racing at all. I mean, it's it's been a such a strange and difficult situation for everybody with all different sports. From you as a as a Spanish rider, do you think that's going to give a little bit of help to to you and to Alvaro and to to some of the Spanish um, riders? I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, especially because um, even if I like the tracks we are going to to race in Spain, um, there are not my my favorite ones. Uh, out of Spain, I have more favorite uh, tracks than, than than these ones. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's nice to race in in Spain, which is uh, close to home. But normally, uh, when you can have uh, spectators on the track, uh, otherwise it's like uh, like racing in, in, in England or in, 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 in other in other tracks. So um, I don't think it's going to be helpful for me, uh, especially uh, as, as I said before, um, 
Jerez is a nice track, but I, I never felt really, really, really strong in, in this track. I felt more strong, for example, in, in sometimes in Misano or sometimes in Imola or sometimes in, in, in Donington or, or some, some other tracks. But um, if, if I was, um, if I could choose which, track, which tracks we go, I should, I, I should say another one, uh, especially because now it's really, really hot here in Spain. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough, but uh, the championship is uh, this this championship is gonna be different, and we have to adapt ourselves to the to the conditions we will have. So um, we have to work on it, and, and we have to, to to say thank you so much to to Dorna and, uh, because the, the effort they did in order to to make us uh, uh, racing again in, in a different conditions, but at least we, we we can race and we can we can do our job. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully agree. Uh, it's going to be strange being in Jerez, uh, even for me. You know, no fans, and, and my job, yeah. you know, is is mainly with the fans. So it will be completely different for, for, for me and, and for a lot of guys as well. You said that if you had to choose uh, the, the tracks, it would be different. So let's imagine that you were running the championship, Jabby. Which which six rounds would be on your calendar if you had to pick? Well, uh, for sure, Aragon. I will keep it because it's a nice track and I love it. Um, Portimao as well, it's a nice one. Um, Misano, Kimola, um, Donington, and for sure I I would like to go out of out of Europe, like um, uh, Qatar or Argentina. I, I have a, a great uh, uh, remember from from Argentina because I, I did a, a nice podium there in the first on the first year we we went there, but. Yeah, that, that tracks are, are lovely ones and uh, for sure, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like a Spanish championship in the end. If you, if you can choose that, that track, we can travel a little bit more and we can find some, some different uh, uh, weather conditions as well. But uh, in, yeah, the calendar is, uh, is already fixed and we have to, we have to keep uh, focused on this calendar and, and try to do our best for me. It's nice because I'm close uh, uh, to to my home and I can go driving by my car. But um, it's a yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a strange and different championship for for everybody. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I fully agree. Fully agree. And, and I think the, the main thing is that everybody respects the, the protocols. Obviously, I'm involved a little bit with Moto America as, as well. And uh, uh, you guys listening to this won't be aware uh, of what's just happened. But uh, Chavi Forres has uh, a beautiful cat uh, called yeah. Romeo, uh, who has his own Instagram, I will add. And uh, he's just made an appearance on the Zoom call. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, he's got amazing eyes. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. So how old is, uh, is Romeo now? That, that was so funny. I wish we were actually... Yeah, next, month, next month is uh, two years and it's uh, 7.5 kilos. Yeah, he's, he's like a lion, right? It's not, it's not a cat. It's yeah, like yeah. a baby lion. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a beauty. Yeah, it's a British uh, shorter, shorter cat. Is uh, his name? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Again, if, if anybody wants to follow Romeo Blue Cat, you can on Instagram. Exactly. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's got quite a lot of followers. He's got quite a few thousand followers. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's Carla who who manages his uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Chavi, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the protocols because I know that um, we're recording this after you've just been for your COVID test. Um, yeah. How comfortable or uncomfortable was it having that little cotton bud 
shoved up your nose. I mean, it doesn't look very pleasant when you, uh, when you see these tests happening, but uh, it, it's something that we have to do uh, at the end of the day. Well, we had we, we had to do mandatory in Andorra. We had to do the the finger one, the the easy one. Okay. Which was quite uh, quite good for us uh, to to see um, to see our our body and everything. But then it's uh, it's not mandatory now. But uh, it's uh, you you can do it uh, the, the the test with uh, this uh, this uh, thing, which is quite. Um, uh, really bad, but at least you you can have your um, how how your body is and if you already had the coronavirus or not. And um, yeah, um, luckily I I didn't I didn't had and I'm I'm fit and I'm perfectly uh, in shape to to race. But uh, for sure. Every time I go out of home, I, I use my mask and I try to avoid um, places where where are uh, uh, with with a lot of crowd and especially I like I like to go to the beach and we are not going this year especially to try to avoid and to try to help uh, the, the society in order to 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 keep this this situation in uh, under control. Otherwise, we have to lock down. Um, everywhere again so this is what we don't we don't need and uh, unfortunately here in Spain there are some places which uh, are um, already in, in lockdown again um, the area from Jadan the area from from Aragon uh, they are they are having uh, a little bit of problems again so we are trying to we are trying to keep uh, a little bit safe in and waiting uh, the, the, the the government uh, uh, missiles again. So let's see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And how has the how has the coronavirus affected you from a from a training point of view? Because obviously, when the lockdown hit and it was very difficult. I mean, you can't go out and yeah. Cycle, the, so, I mean, the, the first the the first weeks it was quite tough uh, to keep um, the motivation to train because you 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 had to do everything in, in inside home. You, I had to do a lot of cycling. I had to do a lot of uh, core exercises inside home. And uh, um, what I, what I did is um, minimize the, the 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 quantity of food as well. So I tried to I tried to keep in, in a good shape. And I I I was working in in order to to lose some 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 weight to lose some uh, some muscles. Um, and this was the main the main job for me, especially in the first weeks. But then um, the, the, the training was, for example, I was I, I live in in a, in a small apartment. I, I cannot I cannot put a lot of stuff inside my apartment for training. It's not the same than than the riders who has a big house and they can have everything inside and for 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 the day day by day. But uh, I got a car simulator in order to to play with the car simulator to keep the to keep the con the, the, the brain and the concentration in, in a good shape as well. So it was a new um, method for everybody, and we had to to adapt ourselves uh, to the to the to the new uh, moments we had. So um, it was not easy to, to to be honest. It was not not easy to. To stay in, in 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 the motivation you need to to, 
to be ready for for the action because at the end we we didn't know as well when uh, the championship uh, restarts and when we we are going to to race again. So it was a confused uh, period. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, Xavi, uh, we've been chatting now for a good 20 minutes or so. So just one final question uh, before uh, before we let you go. Obviously, the target from anybody when you get on a bike is to, to try and win races. But uh, what's what's ultimately the objective uh, for you for this uh, restarted championship? What will what will Xavi Forres be happy with at the end of the season? <clears throat> to be honest, my, my target is the same as, uh, as the... Um, Beginning of the season, uh, I have to be. I have to be fighting for for the top five. Uh, to be, uh, to be honest, by my side, I I feel, I feel ready. I feel ready. The bike has a good potential. It's the bike who wants uh, the the past five six years in in a row. So we have to we have to stay in. We have to stay close to them. Um, the bike is more or less the same, and and Toprak did did well last year. So. Why not? We, we we can stay with them. Um, if I if I see when I was uh, looking at, at the lap times and, and the results from from Australia, I was really close uh, to to Alex Lowe's in in all the sessions, in, even on the Super Bowl warm up, uh, free practices, and he did a massive uh, job in in into the in, in both races. So. Uh, this is what they have to do as well. Uh, I have to, I have to stay uh, focused on the work uh, uh, during the all the during the all the weekend, and why not uh, try to to fight for podiums and try to stay fighting for for the top five? It's going to be my my main target uh, for sure. Jared, I I will try to stay calm and I will try to stay um, working step by step because it is going to be a long long time. Uh, without bike and different conditions, but uh, if I can, if I can do a good base and a good setup in in Misano uh, during this weekend, will be will be important for, for to, to restart in, in in a good way and and try to to really push hard in order to stay on the on the top. So um, this is going to be the target, and also because uh, my future this is still not decided and and you have always to to show the potential in order to 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 deserve a bike for the 2021 no absolutely well uh, i hope that you do stay on the grid for for 2021 100% yeah fingers crossed uh, muchas gracias thank you so much uh, mate thank for you to you on this uh, on this podcast uh, and i okay. will see you in Jerez. yeah no worries mate thank you so much keep in Thanks. touch Thank bye you. bye. Bye bye. That was uh, Xavi Forres riding for the Pachetti Racing Kawasaki team. He will be in action when re uh, when World Superbike resumes uh, in a couple of weeks' time. A big thanks once again to our guests this week, Xavi Forres and Temba Kumala. And a big, big thank you to all of you once again for tuning in and listening. Next week on Vroom, I'll be joined by British Supersport Championship frontrunner Brad Jones and World Supersport title contender Jules Cluzel. So make sure you've subscribed. And remember, if you want us to chat to one of your favourite riders or if you've got any questions, please get in touch. You can contact me on Twitter at MHillOfficial. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
Broom. Your weekly motorsport fix podcast is produced by Michael Hill and is edited by Gareth Bouch of Vroom Media. The music is by The Rain Dogs and it's a production of Michael Hill Promotions. <laughs>